0: Phoenix, Arizona in December. Seriously? You want to go to Phoenix, Arizona in December? No, that is what Tanya was saying to me when I said, I want to go to Phoenix in December. And we're going to Phoenix in December. We're getting the entire house. We haven't picked exactly which one yet. We're going to rent an entire house. We're going to get it for the kids. We're going to bring them out, bring the family, my parents, her parents. We want to get everyone there because we want to just kind of soak in that Arizona phoenix sun because it'll be the middle of the winter and we know we're coming back to the east coast that'll be the last chance that we're able to get it so we're going out there for america fest make sure you get your tickets for america fest tpusa.com backslash america fest use promo code POSO capital P, capital O, capital S, capital O, -O P-O-S-O, for 25% off on your tickets. Go there and do that. We'll have the biggest names, December 18th to the 21st. Myself, we got Charlie, we got Tucker, we got Kaylee, we got Candace, Don Jr. We have so many people coming, including Brantley Gilbert is gonna be playing, Lee Greenwood, Ray Lynn. You are going to not want to miss America Fest. Get your tickets today. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard today's edition of Human Events Daily, powered by Turning Point USA. Today's top stories, the woke lash, reactions to the Virginia election exit polls. Next, huge ongoing story and developments in the Kyle Rittenhouse trial based on our reporting yesterday of the FBI's involvement in a cover-up regarding their surveillance of Kyle and the events of that evening. Next, the Seattle city attorney and Minneapolis defund police completely fail in their elections. We'll talk about it. And finally, General Milley comments about China attacking Taiwan. All this and more ahead, Human Events Daily. Last night, The citizens of Virginia, New Jersey, and several other states delivered what appears to be, what many people are now calling, a woke lash, a woke lash to the policies of the left and really the policies of the leftist administration that we have here in the United States. Listen to the absolute meltdown on cable news.
1: I think we know the answer to some of this. I watched Glenn Youngkin's interviews on Fox News, and he did nothing that Claire's he did not – I mean, he worshipped at the altar of Donald Trump on Fox News. He flew an insurrection flag at his rallies. He simply didn't – he played dumb about a, 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 a Zoom rally. He did not really put much distance between himself and Donald Trump on the big lie or the deadly insurrection in which police officers were maimed by flagpoles. So. I think that the the real ominous thing is that critical race theory, which isn't real, turned the suburbs 15 points to the Trump insurrection endorsed Republican. What do Democrats do about that? Wherever you look, it looks like these, these, these college educated suburban white voters who Democrats thought were breaking their way you know, they rallied back uh, around critical race theory. And again, you know, for me, critical race theory, Joy, is just the most recent, more eloquent iteration of of the Southern strategy, right? Whether it be crosstown busing, whether it be the welfare queen, whether it be defund the police, this original sin of America keeps evolving, and critical race theory is 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 the most most latest and, and most eloquent, quite frankly, iteration of of the Southern strategy in a way, quite frankly, to tribalize an election, to tribalize an electorate, in a way to drive up drive up the white vote. There are some some variables that are moving
2: in the right direction at this a- point, and the exit polls showed that. that- which was interesting that the coronavirus or that the virus it was a very it low not importance to many yes, of the voters. There. Was it was education, right. which is code for white parents don't like the idea of teaching right. about race. And I mean, unfortunately, race is just the most palpable tool in the toolkit it used to be of the Democratic Party back right. in the day when they were Dixiecrats and now of the Republican Party. It just is powerful.
0: So you understand what's going on there. There's there's two things that's really two strata that's going on and they are terrified absolutely terrified of the fact that they have been exposed for pushing critical race theory, for putting this on the map, for putting it into our schools. And this is actually something for all the, the, the thanks and the accolades, you know, over Virginia. I think that one person that really needs to be thanked is Anthony Fauci, right? Anthony Fauci, what does this have to do? Well, number one, we know that Fauci was involved in the funding of gain-of-function experiments in the Wuhan lab. COVID-19. But then after COVID-19 takes off, what did Fauci push for? The lockdowns. The lockdowns meant what? For schools, Zoom classrooms. What did Zoom classrooms expose? What was going on in the classrooms? Critical race theory. So for people like Chris Rufo, for investigative journalists like Luke Rosiak, they were then able to prove what was going on, what they were talking about in their journalism. And what was happening in our schools, this new theology, right? And it really is, critical race theory is a religion. Uh, I would actually consider it a pagan religion. I would actually consider it a pagan religion, a form of worship, maybe a disorganized religion, right? Um, But you could look at potentially, you are preaching, you are preaching to these children in the schoolrooms and you are teaching them a new pagan religion which has nothing to do with any of their education and it has nothing to do with the actual history of this country and parents found out about it and they became activated this is a huge part of what's going on and it ain't just virginia folks This happened in New Jersey. This is happening across the country. So you're seeing that being a massive, massive swing indicator for many of these suburban districts. And then your kids are being taught to hate their families, to hate their ancestors, to hate their homeland, to hate their country, to even hate themselves. And that's what you get. You push that crap too much, that pagan religious worship, you get a woke lash. And that's what's going on in this country. People put their shoulder to the wheel and they said, no more. The parents said, you are not taking our children. This is a roadmap. This is an absolute roadmap for conservatives, for libertarians, and for traditional American values, for people to say, we're sick of it and we're not taking it anymore. Now, yesterday's episode, we broke that extremely shocking story that an FBI plane was up and was surveilling Kyle Rittenhouse and the entire events of that evening in Kenosha. No one played that footage other than us. Nobody broke that story. The cable networks wouldn't touch it. That is why Human Events Daily exists. So I want you to listen to the opening statement from the defense in this case, the guy who finally got up, and he's defending Kyle. Listen to what he said, and in his characterization of what took place on the events of August 24th, 2020, what happened that night, and it completely breaks apart the mainstream media narrative.
3: We have two very different outlooks on the events of August 25th of 2020. Mr. Binger makes a big thing out of Kyle Rittenhouse was the only person who shot somebody that evening. True. Mr. Rittenhouse was the only person who was chased by Joseph Rosenbaum that evening. You'll hear testimony, not just from Kyle Rittenhouse, but Balch, Mr. Balch about Joseph Rosenbaum stating to Kyle and to Ryan Balch in each other's presence, if I get either of you two alone, I'm going to kill you. Flat out threats to murder. When Mr. Rosenbaum is shot in the car source lot three, there's been a gunshot behind Kyle, He turns to address Mr. Rosenbaum with his firearm. Mr. Rosenbaum is not deterred. He continues to run. He acted in self-defense, ladies and gentlemen. The evidence will show that his actions on August 25th of 2020 were reasonable under the circumstances as they existed that night being attacked by Mr. Rosenbaum. Kyle Rittenhouse protected himself, protected his firearm so it couldn't be taken, used against him or other people from Mr. Rosenbaum.
0: So here's the biggest development, though. As the witnesses went through day one of the trial, they first had Kyle Rittenhouse's friend testify. He said, yes, I purchased the rifle. I own the rifle. It didn't cross state lines. Remember, this has been a key aspect of the case that the media has focused in on. And uh, the left is focused in on as well. They said that Kyle Rittenhouse's gun crossed state lines. Not true. That was a gun that wasn't his. It was owned by his friend who was over 18 purchased by him. He let Kyle use it to defend himself during in the riots, which actually, if you look under the statute, seems to be true seems to be actually something he's legally able to do because the statute when you actually look it up it says it's about short barreled rifles and shotguns this is not a short barreled rifle a shotgun but the bigger picture is the second witness when they went up the judge said well we have a problem here that witness can't be on camera well who was that witness who could it be who could it be we later found out here at human events daily from a source in the courtroom that that witness was an FBI employee, an FBI official, who was testifying off camera and who had stated that he had this video, but that he wouldn't actually be able to show it to the public. So the video we showed yesterday of the FBI aerial surveillance of Kyle Rittenhouse that they held for 14 months, that they prevented the public from happening, that they prevented Kyle's lawyers from having only up until a couple of weeks ago, we're told, they wouldn't even show it at trial. They showed the jury, at least. At least they showed the jury, and he wouldn't even show his face. Do you understand what's going on here? The FBI had Kyle under surveillance this whole time. They knew they had it. We're even told that they had a second video, an HD version of the video. But when Kyle's lawyers filed a FOIA for it, They were told that the information was gone, that the information was missing. And let me tell you something else. I've been in that business. I understand a little something about aerial surveillance. I guarantee you there was not only optical surveillance up there. They most certainly had electronic communications intelligence, signals intelligence in a package on that bird. That means that the cell phones were being sucked up by the Stingray device that was attached to this plane. That means that they were able to positively identify every single person with a cell phone that was in that crowd. The shooter whose name we don't know, who shot at Kyle four times, the people who were chasing him, the people who were assailing him, they knew about it. Why has the FBI covered this up? Why did Chris Ray not let us know immediately what had happened that night? Why didn't he go public and say, we understand what happened? And why didn't the FBI go after all of these individuals that they had on camera looting, rioting, and committing arson throughout the streets of Kenosha? And I guarantee you they had planes like this across all of the cities that were burned during 2020. The FBI had surveillance of the entire thing, and they covered it all up. Human Events Daily will not drop this story. Two huge stories from last night that we have to make sure that people don't miss, because these are absolutely groundbreaking stories. We've been talking about the get out of cities thing. That's been my thing for almost two years now. I've been saying, get out of cities, get out of cities. And now we're starting to see, I will say this, and I'm not changing my diagnosis. I'm still saying get out of cities, but we're starting to see some positive energy on that front in two cases, the city of Seattle and the city of Minneapolis. In Seattle, Ann Davison, a Republican-led police abolitionists, Nicole Thomas Kennedy in Seattle city attorney race. What does it mean? It looks like Ann Davison is holding, this is according to Seattle times, held a strong 58 to 41% lead in the race for Seattle city attorney with returns Tuesday. So showing voters rejecting the brash language of her police abolitionist opponent in favor of Davison's law and order stance. Remember Seattle is the city that had the CHAZ, where I went and infiltrated that with my brother. We were in there day and night. We saw the guns. We saw the shooting that took place just after we left, the people who were killed out there, the lawlessness that took place in the city of Seattle. And now they have someone who is just elected on a law and order platform citywide to that city attorney's office. So that, I got to say, I got to say, a very interesting situation as well. Listen to what just happened. We have a clip of this. Listen to what happened in Minneapolis overnight.
2: Voters in Minneapolis rejected a ballot measure to replace the city's police department there. Uh, the move to overhaul policing in Minneapolis came after the murder of George Floyd in 2020. A uh, question two on the ballot was to replace the department with a department of public safety instead, where a mental health specialists would actually be working on the force. And 56% said no, 44% voting yes. Kelsey Kernstein is live in Minneapolis with more on these results, Kelsey. Well, Adrian, a historic voter turnout. But I can tell you this: we're in a park. I just asked. I just asked a resident, is he happy with the results? Upset with the results? He said it shows that he thinks that Minneapolis is closer to sanity. He also said, look, we know that there needs to be police reform. But yes, the VOTER spoke. 56% SAID NO TO THE REFERENDUM. THEY SAID NO TO REPLACING THE MINNEAPOLIS POLICE DEPARTMENT. 44% SAID YES. THAT GROUP THAT GOT IT ON THE BALLOT, THIS REFERENDUM, THIS COALITION, YES FOR MINNEAPOLIS, THEY GOT 20,000 20,000 signatures to get that coalition on the ballot. We know that it emerged after the killing of George Floyd. Now, we know it emerged after the protests across here in Minneapolis and across across the nation. Now, uh, they say that they changed the conversation of public safety. They plan to continue to hold the system accountable, those in power accountable, but it's been a historic turnout here.
0: This measure, by the way, it's something they didn't bring up, but I'll bring up, This was supported by far-left Congresswoman Ilhan Omar, a member of the squad. Remember, Minneapolis, this, of course, is the city. Derek Chauvin, George Floyd, where everything went down, where the whole thing got started. And they voted against it by 57% of Minneapolis voters said they don't want this. This is a message, a clear signal, of what's going on. These are not conservative areas. These are not, you know, bright red, uh, you know, America first kind of, you know, all that stuff. These are blue, deep blue cities. Seattle and Minneapolis, deep blue cities. But you're seeing how bad things have gotten. And New York, by the way, of course, the new mayor was elected on a law and order platform. Are cities taking a turn? I think they're trying to, but ultimately, ultimately, I do think that the cities are in a spiral, and I do believe that. So while I am cautiously optimistic about the near-term changes that may be put in place in some of these places, I do think that unfortunately, the structural issues in the cities are not going to change. But for the time being, we look at what happened in Seattle, we look at what happened in Minneapolis, and we say, God bless you, God bless the people who live there. We only wish you the best. Once again, thank you for supporting us. Thank you for supporting this show, supporting this podcast. If you want to continue that support, go to MyPillow.com. Use promo code POSO. Make sure that you are being the influence agent. And by the way, get your orders in now for Christmas. It's coming, it's coming so soon. You know the supply chain issues that are out there, the trucking issues that are out there, the shortages. Get it done, get that peace of mind, mypillow.com, promo code POSO, you got the towels, the sheets, the toppers, the pillows, you can't go wrong. We've gotta get into this story because my favorite general in the world is back, General Mi Lee. Listen to what General Mi Lee had to say when he was asked about the question of Taiwan. Take a listen. It depends on what you mean by near future. So I've said in testimony uh, that
1: my personal estimate is, and, and I hesitate to speculate on anything in the future, because anything can happen. There's a wide variety of scenarios that could happen. <clears throat> but I would say that uh, based on uh, my analysis of China, I don't think that it is likely in the next near future being defined as you know, six, 12, maybe 24 months, that kind of window. Uh, having said that, though, uh, the Chinese are clearly and unambiguously building the capability To provide those options to the national leadership if they so choose at some point in the future Um, but near future probably not but anything can happen it recently became public that you had communications with your
3: your chinese counterpart over you know signals that how they may be interpreted are
1: you talking about this have they talked to you uh about their current capabilities and tests um well unless uh you know i would say that i don't typically talk about the substance of the conversations I have with my Russian counterparts, my Chinese counterparts, except to other members of the government with appropriate classifications, et cetera, typically. Uh, and the calls that we were talking, that you're talking about, I, I testified to uh, a week or so or a couple of weeks ago. Um, but what that's indicative of, in my mind, is the need for increase, not decreased, increased mill mill communications, government-to-government communications, because part of deterrence Uh, is having the capability to impose costs on your opponent uh, and making sure that you have the political will to actually use it. But also a third piece of deterrence that's really important is clear, unambiguous communications between both sides. Uh, As long as they're coordinated and as long as uh, the various parts of the government are are involved in that, it's very important. So I think those calls, and I've made many calls uh, to counterparts around the world as part of my job, I think those calls are indicative of something that we're going to have to reinforce, expand and need more of uh, as we go forward in the next 10, 20 years.
0: So you hear that, right? You know, General Mee Lee, he's like one of these generals straight out of central casting. Like he's the character in the Hollywood movie that sends all his troops into combat, doesn't realize what's going on and the entire team gets taken out. Right. That's. That's the character he would be playing in a movie. This is a guy who has no clue what's happening. You hear him right there. He goes, well, I've, I've talked to China and they, they assured me. They assured me that they will not attack Taiwan in the next 6, 12, 24-month period. And I believe we can trust General Lee over there. Yeah, he's a good guy, right? This is ridiculous. This is insane. You're saying trust them. We need to talk to them more. You need to take take them out of their word, increase communication, increase mill to mill dialog Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. This guy is a clown. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry for saying it. I wish that our military wasn't like this, but it has to be called out. You cannot have a sitting general talk like this. If he says it's not going to happen in 24 months, why? Because they told you that? Because you trusted them? That means it's probably going to happen in 24 minutes all the time we have here for human events daily but as i said be the influence agent remember our motto to you be good be brief be gone we are going to give you the bottom line up front and we are leading the charge on the kyle rittenhouse case i know there's other people talking about it but we are breaking news we are dropping the receipts and we are dropping bombshells and we're going to be continuing to do that day after day here on this show but before we go It's time for today's Moment of History. Today, in 1868, Ulysses S. Grant elected the 18th president of the United States. And here's something, by the way, that not everybody knows, that Ulysses S. Grant was actually, I believe this might be true, the only president of the United States to be arrested while he was the sitting president. What was he arrested for? Right here in the city of Washington, D.C., not very far from where I'm actually sitting right now. He was arrested for speeding on his horse. Can you believe that? Ladies and gentlemen, you have my permission to lay ashore.